0: Welcome to the final episode of the Business Scholarship Podcast Symposium on Local Journalism, Business, and Society. This episode will focus on the article, When the Local Newspaper Leaves Town, The Effects of Local Newspaper Closures on Corporate Misconduct. This article is forthcoming in the Journal of Financial Economics, and it was authored by Jonas Heese of Harvard Business School, Gerardo Perez-Cavazos of UC San Diego, and Caspar David Peter of Erasmus University, Rotterdam i a link to the article in the show notes for the episode. We're joined today by one of the authors, Gerardo Perez-Cavazos, and we're also joined by commentators Karen Woody, a professor of law at Washington Lee University, and Joseph Borg, director of the Alabama Securities Commission. Gerardo, Joe, welcome to the Business Scholarship Podcast, and Karen, welcome back. Thanks so much. A pleasure to be here. Thank
1: you for the invitation. Thank you. Very excited to be here.
0: I'd like to start this discussion with an interview with Gerardo on the paper itself, and then I look forward to commentary from our academic and our policy practitioner, as we've done in the prior panels. Gerardo, I wonder if you could talk about some of the theoretical mechanisms by which local press, local newspapers could serve as monitors of corporate conduct. Are there various considerations that might drive or undermine that role? And what differences might there be in monitoring between a local press outlet as opposed to national or regional press? This whole symposium is focused on local journalism, as is your paper. But what are the distinctions there between local press and national? And before you and your co-authors embarked on your study, what has the empirical evidence suggested thus far about the role of local press as monitors of corporate conduct.
1: Let me start by talking a bit about the distinctions between the national press and the local media. The way we're thinking about it is that local media, a lot of the times, is going to just cover issues that are relevant for the local audience, whereas the national media is going to try to capture a bigger audience. What this means from our perspective, local media is going to cover things that are very localized which may not be interesting for somebody who's very far away, but it could be very relevant for local communities. Now, when we started thinking about the role of monitoring that media has, well, we need to consider who's the part that is being monitored, what is that ecosystem looking like? And one of the aspects that we found incredibly relevant is that what happens to companies in a local area? Managers respond to what the local media is doing, or do they respond to the national media? And as, as a bit of background, there's been some work looking at how the national media in general affects companies' behavior. There is some mixed evidence. Some prior papers have found that it doesn't really move them. For example, if you're thinking about compensation, companies don't really change their compensation due to the national media. But there are other papers finding that the media actually changes the behavior of companies, the national media. So we embarked in this project thinking about there's one problem that has been going on for a while. A lot of local outlets have been closing. So we wanted to figure out empirically if that affects the overall misconduct of companies. Looking at this monitoring role. One of the mechanisms that the media plays for monitoring misconduct is detection. So if you think about a very basic economics model a la Baker 1968, The probability that some company or that somebody will commit a crime is a function of both the probability of detection and the punishment. So clearly, if you start decreasing the number of newspapers, that will probably decrease the the detection rate. So that should affect how companies react. Now, on the other hand, another role that the local media may play is that of broadcasting, finding something that the company did wrong and broadcasting it broadly that can lead to additional reputational costs, et cetera. Those are the forces that we have in mind when examining this role that the local media has. Thank you for that background. And I I wonder
0: with that background in mind, if you could maybe sketch out some of the research questions that you and your co-authors set out to answer, what were you investigating specifically?
1: The main questions that we wanted to answer was what happens when local media closes its doors? What are the effects on corporate misconduct in terms of two main avenues? One, do the number of violations increase? And second, do the overall penalties that the company has to pay for those violations increase? Let me tell you a bit more why this can be two conflicting things. It is possible that once the local media closes down, the company is not as careful and has more violations. But which type of violations are they increasing? And what we're finding in the paper is that there is a slight increase in the number of violations, which is relatively modest, about 1%. But we're finding a relatively large increase in the penalty amount, an increase of about 15.2%. So what that tells us is that media, as you would probably expect, the local media was previously focusing on the more egregious type of behavior that companies had. And they were monitoring those types of behaviors. Now, once the local media closes down, companies are increasing those types of egregious behavior. I wonder if we could talk about the research
0: design that you and your co-authors pursued. What firm and press settings did you examine? Of course, this is focused on local press, but... How did you identify the local press to look into? What sorts of violations are we talking about? What sorts of corporate misconduct? And what data did you use? Could you give us a sense, maybe at least at a high level, of some of the structure of your research
1: process? Yes, absolutely. We started by combining two data sets. So let me talk first about the local newspaper closures. There are a few papers that have looked into local newspaper closures. So we use some of that data from a a paper by Genskow et al, 2011. We're also looking at a panel uh, created by the UNC Center for Innovation and Sustainability in Local Media. So those databases to basically follow all local newspapers through time in the U.S. and identify years when the local newspaper basically dropped out of the database. So we obviously check then what happens to that local newspaper. We try to figure out if it was a merge, if it closed its doors, etc. And we identify I don't have the number with me, but let's think of around 47 to 50 local newspaper closures around the U.S. in a time series that is going from around 2000 to 2017. So That is the first part, identifying localities where the local newspaper is closing down, then putting that together with what is the number of initial local newspapers in the area so that we can get a sense of how strong the effect should be there. And then we merged that with information from violation tracker. So violation tracker is a comprehensive database that has violations from basically all agencies in the U.S. or a large number of agencies in the U.S. And it covers all types of violations, starting from labor safety to environmental violations, violations under the Fraud Claims Act, etc. So it really gives you a broad scope of the misconduct or the types of violations that companies may have. Now, obviously, from those violations, there are certain ones that you cannot attribute to a local facility. So we're going to be focusing on all of the violations that can be attributed to a particular facility. That means we know exactly the zip code or the violation was taking place so that we are able to basically match the effect of having a local newspaper closing down, and the violation on the other hand. That is a general databases that we're using. Now, in terms of the design, we're going to be looking at three years before the newspaper closure and then three years after. So we are, in essence, comparing the previous three years in terms of violations against the post-period of three years after the local newspaper closed down, and we're going to be using a series of controls. The controls are basically all other facilities that were not operating in a county where a local newspaper closed down.
0: Thank you for that background on the research design. I wonder if, before we shift gears toward our commentators, if you could talk about your findings from the study and what implications you and your co-authors
1: might draw from those findings. The main finding, as I mentioned before, was that the number of violations increases by about 1%, but the penalties associated with those violations increases by about 15%. Now, that tells us a bit about the role that local newspapers are playing in corporate misconduct. It tells us that local journalists, local media, is focusing on relatively serious behavior that companies may engage in. And once they close their doors, You're basically having a a bit of a void in this ecosystem whereby companies are more likely to misbehave because there is one less monitor around. Obviously, if you're thinking about the whole ecosystem in which media plays a role in, and it's a confluence of different factors that leads to the closure of local newspapers. So one of the big concerns that you have when doing this type of study is, well, is there perhaps some reasons why the newspapers are closing down? Is it perhaps an economic reason why a particular county in the country is losing its newspaper? Is it perhaps that the local economic conditions are not favorable enough? And are those economic conditions affecting the company as well? And maybe that is also driving the results that we find. Or We do a battery of tests to rule out that economic conditions are driving the effects that we document. And we find that it's not really the economics that are driving our effects. And now in terms of some policy implications, one of the aspects that obviously as a policy maker, it's not that you can determine, we need to have five newspapers in every place. We need to open another three. It's a whole ecosystem, that is responding to incentives, market conditions. But the some of the implications are that in our view can be possibly interesting. As a regulator, you have to be mindful of other monitors out there so that if a monitor is dropping out, just given the market conditions, is there any way to substitute that? And it might be that then local regulators or federal regulators such as OSHA are allocated a bit of more resources in that particular locality when this transition happens. And some of those thoughts come to mind. Thank you so
0: much for that introduction to the paper. And I want to give you an opportunity toward the end of the conversation for any takeaways or open questions. But now I'd like to turn the floor over to the commentators. Our first commentator is Karen Woody, professor at Washington Lee, who among some of her research areas of focus, she looks into issues of corporate compliance. Karen, would you like to offer your thoughts on this topic and this paper?
2: Thanks, Andrew. And thanks again for having me on. Congratulations on an excellent paper with just such critically important findings. And even the symposium sort of writ large is such an important topic. Just this morning, I opened my, you know, daily headlines and my FCPA blog the headline was about the list of journalists who have either been imprisoned or killed around the world for reporting on corruption and issues related to corruption. Obviously, today's discussion might not be as harrowing as that. But I think the relevance and the analogies here are apparent because to my mind, that's where these implications and some of the conclusions of this paper begin to point, which is that sort of broader corruption that can occur when we don't have the backstop of local newspapers. Given that, I just wanted to say, again, this is such an important paper Very well researched. I have to confess, I'm not a statistician. I am not even really an empiricist. I love to read empirical papers, but I have not yet waded too far into that field. So I really appreciated how the methodology was laid out and how clear it seemed. For that reason, again, all of my congratulations to you on doing this work and how thorough it was. A couple of things I wanted to discuss or to just maybe even pose a few more questions about. I don't see any need to reiterate here what Gerardo has just summarized of the paper. But I did want to think about a couple of the points raised in the paper. And as I said, maybe also pose a couple of additional questions here. To my mind, really, the sort of the utmost takeaway here, the critical finding is that local newspapers are, in fact, effective monitors of corporate conduct or more aptly put, maybe of corporate misconduct, because when there are no local papers, there's no local press the violations go up. That's, what to me, seems to be the clear implications. And please jump in, Gerardo, if I'm at all being too reductive in terms of what the paper says. So in other words, local press serves as monitors that can curtail corporate misconduct. To my mind, and this is something that, again, might be too in the weeds or maybe semantic or even potentially academic, but I'm wondering if the term local press as, therefore, deterrent is more effective. Meaning, could we go as far to say not only are they monitoring, but the effect there is that they are deterring corporate misconduct by virtue of shining the light and doing the sort of clear implications? And this goes to maybe, like I say, the maybe academic sort of philosophical question of if there's no one there to report it, do we think there's less or there's more? That's a tree in the forest idea. But I think that's what we're trying to get at with this paper is when there is local press that can report on potential misconduct, it keeps the misconduct at bay. I think that conclusion can be drawn. I think that's inherently what the paper is is drawing. And so for that reason, I think, as you pointed out, Andrew, sort of my background on corporate compliance and the literature around that, I think, can be immensely helpful and certainly analogous. And some of that literature even comes from practitioners or from just the firms that are doing broad corporate compliance across industries and other sectors. And so I'm curious again about, and this is a, maybe a question for Roger for again, is if we can acknowledge that this is local press almost is an arm or at least a tool in the toolbox of corporate compliance and how we can use this paper to help companies acknowledge that there is the idea of bringing things to light can end up having a firm act in a more appropriate manner. Are there analogies that can be drawn that firms can take within themselves to help beef this up? Meaning, does this look like the anonymous hotline that we often put in place when I was in practice and did internal investigations and we had the ability for people to expose potential misconduct or at least try to look into it. Are there things that firms can take away from this paper to help even themselves internally try to adjust the tone within the firm itself? So that was one thing that I think a lot of compliance literature tries to get at that. And I think Veronica Rudas some interesting papers on this. Todd Hall at Kelly at Indiana University write on this sort of idea of how do we shift the culture maybe from inside? And can we use the fact that there hopefully is an independent local press holding us accountable on the outside to play that role? And what happens when that is no longer there? I think is really what your paper is trying to... Before I, I go on, and I know I could talk for a while about the role of compliance and certainly compliance within the firm, the questions I had for you, and Andrew asked this a little bit, which was the definitional question that I think you addressed a little bit, dragger, which was the question of what is local, how that was defined. Is that by just size and circulation. I noticed in the paper, there are a few references to even the Seattle Times or even the LA Times. And when you were listing how papers have exposed misconduct and have played an important role in showing what the misconduct has been. But of some of those listed examples, there were what I would have called even bigger papers. And I say this because going to get to what my next question is. and I am from Washington, D.C. I would say my local paper is Washington Post, but many would say that's a national paper. And so I don't know if that would fall under this rubric or not. And so I guess that was my first question. My next question, again, has to deal with something that is outside the scope of the paper. So I already, I apologize in advance for that, but that has to do with the broader implications. I'm going to hold back on that question until we hear from the other commentators. But I actually, one question I did have on this paper, and I, I would love for you to also answer this question, which I don't, I didn't hear you talk a lot about it in the overview, but I'm curious about your proxy of the role of Craigslist in the reduction of local press. And so I was just hoping you could maybe say a few more things about how that came about, how you used that as sort of the proxy to what was driving maybe the closures of local press. That was one little part of the paper that struck me as fascinating and interesting. So I was just hoping you could maybe give us a little more even of how that came about. And then I'm happy to jump back in on some other comments from the academic literature side, but I might pause there to have you guys respond. <laughs>
0: I want to get to Joe's commentary in just a moment, but Karen raises a number of of really great questions for Gerardo. So, Gerardo, do you have any thoughts or uh, preliminary responses to to some of her questions? Yes,
1: first of all, thank you very much, Karen, for uh, such great questions and the the insights and and comments on the paper. One of the things that you ask is, can firms use this? And I think it is very possible to use this information within the firm. First, one of the challenges that firms face is that they grow and There is information asymmetry within the firm, and that's why there are many mechanisms to try to get that information. But imagine being in the corporate headquarters of a large company with thousands of employees. How do you know what's happening in a local facility thousands of miles away? It is difficult. There are obviously mechanisms within the firm that help get that information up. But just knowing that the local media is also acting as a monitor, if you understand that, then as a firm, you can also pay attention to those local reports and try to identify problems within your organization by just reading some of the local press, seeing what are the problems that the local press is picking up, and trying to address those before they become a national problem or a more widespread problem within your organization. So I think that there is some usefulness there. Another piece is for managers of local facilities to also be in tune with what the local reporters are doing and trying to address problems before they come to light, but more in a trying to solve the problem rather than trying to hide the problem situation. So I think there's an opportunity there where, one, the firm as a whole can learn from what is going on in local facilities by reading the local media. And two, the local manager can have expectations as to What are the problems that are likely to be reported by the local media and try to address them before they become a news article and hopefully before they not only become a local news article, but before they're even picked up by the national media. I believe that the second question you had was, how are we defining local newspapers? In general, the way that we are looking at that and sort of defining a newspaper as being local is by circulation and being present in just a very localized set of counts. As opposed to, as you mentioned, something like the Los Angeles Times or the Washington Post, those we consider as national media. And we actually use them in one of our tests to try to get at basically looking at the visibility of companies by the national media. We're trying to separate. Obviously, there are companies that the media is more likely to pick up. For example, if Apple is doing something, the media is likely to pick that up. So if there's a local facility that, and the local facility is one of Apple, it's more likely to be picked up by the local media just because it, it belongs to this organization that is very visible. So we try to measure the disability of organizations by looking at the amount of articles that the national media, such as Los Angeles Times, the Wall Street Journal, etc., the number of times that they're picking up companies, and then matching that or identifying facilities of those companies as being highly visible. So that's why we also use the national media in one of our tests. But in general, defining local media is the circulation in a very localized set of count. And finally, I think your third question related to the proxy for track list This is a test that we do to rule out or to mitigate the problem that perhaps local newspapers are closing down because the economic conditions are not doing well. and. We basically, we took that from another paper. We thought it was a very clever idea that Gau et all had in their, I think it was also JFE paper. And the way that Craigslist test works is as follows. Usually the local media depends a lot on local advertisement and to work. And when Craigslist comes to a particular area, it basically absorbs a lot of that advertisement income that the newspaper would have. Now it's a lot easier for people to tell things of Craigslist. So the economics for the newspaper get worse. It's not necessarily the county conditions, the economic conditions in the county got worse. In general, it just got worse for that particular newspaper. Using that, we're able to examine the closures of newspapers that are due to the introduction of Craigslist as opposed to changes in the overall local economic conditions and that way we're able to say if craigslist is more likely to enter into a particular county and that is driving the closure of the local newspaper and then what is the effect of that closure on violations so that keeps the economic conditions constant in that place so in gist that's uh, how that test is working
0: Thank you for those additional thoughts, Gerardo, and I'm really excited now to turn things over to our regulator, practitioner, commentator, uh, Joe Borg, uh, the director of the Alabama Securities Commission. Joe is also a former president of the North American Securities Administrators Association, where he's also the co-chair of the enforcement section. Joe is the longtime leader of Alabama's state securities regulator, where he deals with a lot of these issues of misconduct and local press reporting on the ground. Joe, excited to have you on. I'll turn the floor over to you and your thoughts.
3: Thank you for having me, and I'm pleased to join you all. And first, I guess I should say that I'm probably going to look at this from a slightly different point of view. I certainly don't have the basics for the data analytics that Gerardo and the group did, so I can't comment on that. But here's an interesting point. Let me go back and start about 28 years ago when I first took over this agency. And I guess I should say we have to do licensing and registration. So things that go around the neighborhood, shall we say, are very important to us. And back then, there were a series of newspapers. So when we talk about local press, I'm actually breaking it into two categories because I find there are differences. So local press to me, and I'll ask Gerardo to correct me if I'm wrong, there are those that are sort of regional papers, state regional papers. Back then, we had four major papers in Mobile, Montgomery, Birmingham, and Huntsville, and they covered pretty much the whole state. On top of that, then we had much more local coverage in towns and perhaps even countywide. We found that back then, the investigative reporting was pretty much done in the state regionals, that four areas that I mentioned. Again, they're not national papers, but very important communication tools. Back then... Those papers had the ability to do what we call investigative reporting. And I noticed that, Gerardo, the paper refers to that in section 2.1 of your analysis. Interestingly enough, they would come to, for example, my commission, which maintains national records. so say a financial planner or an investment advisor in Alaska who wants to do business in Alabama, we would have a complete set of records. The investigative reporters back then would seek out those records, which we would make available publicly, to do their particular investigative piece. Usually in the financial sector, it could be a local company or an outside state company doing business. And their focus would be, is there a current fraud? Is there a current trend? Is there a problem with real estate. Think, for example, after Hurricane Katrina that devastated the coast of the United States in the South, the number of frauds that came up were being perpetrated. It was some of the investigative reporters from these papers that were first on the scene to say, we're looking at trends of sales or trends of money transfers. Give us information on these individuals who in some cases had previous misrepresentation and fraudulent records attached to them. I guess my comment is that the local press, the very local press, would then report from the next level press. At least this has been our experience. I do think that your premise, that there is an effect because of the closure of local press, local papers, that there is less tendency to notice and report the incidences that occur on a more local level. I'm not talking about some big fraud out of Bernie Madoff or something like that. But we have seen in the focus where they cover the real estate or the Ponzi schemes or the pyramid schemes, two things. Not only was there some really good investigative journalism, which has now disappeared, even though some of these papers still exist, they're down to three days a week. And I think it's a shame that, that they're not there. Having been replaced by, we can talk a little in a minute or two, social media. I know Craigslist, Was mentioned, but I put that in the social media category. So the enforcement effect with regard to what is occurring on a local level has diminished, in my opinion. And that's just from my observation without doing any statistics or anything of that nature. So I think my experience and what we've seen supports the premise of what happens when the local newspaper leaves town. Again, My area is strictly financial. I wouldn't get into environmental or anything like that because I don't have any experience with that. The exposure of the events and the facts or investigations that we may be doing on a local level, that reporting, because it's in print and on somebody's coffee table, carried a lot more weight than the five second soundbite on a news report or social media. Because it was a constant reminder that, yeah, I may have something about this, as opposed to I've got my 10 second fa- sound bite and now it's gone. So I think that is one of the areas where the loss of local press is a loss for all of us. The, the pattern and the practice and the extent of what we saw in these frauds or these misrepresentations or these perceived frauds would lead folks to give us a call. And again, it may not be immediate but it may do it over the weekend. And the next thing you know, on Monday morning, we get a call because I was reading this in the local press the other day, and then the conversation. I do think that there are issues with regard to thinking about issues as opposed to the volume of social media. And I also think this may lead to the effect of the general public not considering in detail what they read versus what they hear, I think that's possible effect as well. in section four point three two of your paper, you do discuss Craigslist, and I want to take a minute on social media. I have nothing against Craigslist, social media or anything like that. We obviously, as an agency, we actually put out bulletins and whatnot. But I will tell you that social media is highly tilted to one side or the other on the opinion scale and has resulted, I think, in people not considering anything more than a 10 or 15 or 20 second soundbite, which leads, I think, to less critical thinking about issues. That would be in general. And I think that's probably more of an issue with regard to politics than anything else. I think that's my comments on the front end. I'd be happy to explore anything further along those lines. But I do think that the death of local papers has impacted our ability, especially in the areas of what we call affinity fraud that we consider The most pervasive would be a misrepresentation or fraud. Think in terms of a Ponzi scheme or a pyramid scheme or a multi-level marketing scheme or any other such type of investment that goes through a civic club or a church, especially in the South, or a particular regional community or a particular nationality group. And the local papers, I think, were very good at covering not only our investigations and reports. But getting that across the lines. And now I think we find that the information being directed to folks without the local newspapers is more siloed and therefore doesn't get the expansive report out to various groups where there may be cross-sector pollinization of these affinity frauds. That's in general what I think the premise is correct. I do believe that there has been less reporting on these issues, even though the news media is now the technological media is immediate and time is a factor. And I think that brought along as part of the death of the local newspaper, so to speak. But I do think that it has gone from more in-depth and on-your-mind type thinking to, that was a nice soundbite, now what's the next one? I don't know if that was of help to you, but that's the way I see it.
0: All right. Thank you, Joe. And I'm pleased to turn things over to all of the panelists now, and I, I might give Gerardo the first stab at any reactions or questions you'd like to pose to the panel.
1: Oh, Thank you, Joseph, for the comments. I, uh, let me start with the first comment you made about the local press having two roles, the, the investigative and then the broadcasting role. And we very much thought along those lines initially when we started thinking about this project. But we quickly realized that and it's almost impossible to separate those two roles when you are looking at this empirically. We wanted to, especially because we were looking at it from a large data perspective, like how do we measure whether a newspaper is actually doing good quality investigations versus just broadcasting information that another outlet created. And then the other part that was just difficult was theoretically, Thinking about which should have a bigger effect, because let's say you can have a newspaper that is really good; it has excellent reporters creating very deep stories, investigating for months, creating great pieces. But if it doesn't get broadcasted enough, if people can read it because it doesn't have that very wide reach, then it's not going to have as much impact as another one that is just finding good stories and broadcasting them very widely so that is w- how we were thinking about that problem but in the end just empirically just going to the data it was difficult to try to separate these two different concepts which i completely agree with you it's two different roles that the media is having but just in the data it's difficult to separate them and the comment that i found really interesting was that you said that it was very useful uh, in enforcement to have some of these news printed, having them out there. And the question that I had for you was now that you see that you're seeing that some of those local newspapers are closing down and you don't have that information anymore, is there anything that you guys are doing to try to substitute that loss of information out there?
3: And the answer to that is yes. Since that time. Agencies like mine, at least where they have the budget available to do it, we're lucky enough to be a self-sufficient agency, so revenues are utilized for what we do rather than getting an allocation from the state budget or something like that. But the loss of some of that information has been replaced by the creation of a larger information center in my agency, which does everything from podcasts to news releases to dissemination of information through school systems, business councils, certainly through the teachers' associations and things of that nature. So, we're also looking at everything from senior centers to, you know, I would say anything that's on the social horizon. But what we find consistently is that the print media has a greater impact in the longevity of the issue as opposed to the volume which is done more through the social media and the radio, which reaches a greater volume at once, but the longevity of the retention of the information is less. I have no way to explain that, except that seems to be our analysis when we look at folks who remember seeing it in print three weeks ago, as opposed to the person who heard it three weeks ago. If they don't call us right away, they're not going to remember it three weeks from now. But if that newspaper is still around and they've read it and it's been imprinted on, on the back of their mind, they're more likely to call us when the opportunity arises to say, hey, I saw this in the paper or I saw this in a news bulletin, as opposed to the person who calls me up and says, I just heard it on the radio. I usually don't get the, I heard it on the radio three weeks ago. That's what I do not get. And I find that an interesting distinction between the imprint of the media to the general public. And of course, what we're looking at is we're looking for input from what we call Main Street investors, Main Street citizens, as opposed to, say, from the organizations. We want that information too, but that's a whole other way of media to, to reach. Does that answer the question?
1: Yes, it was very interesting to hear you talk about that. Karen, any thoughts
0: or questions for the group?
2: Now, thanks. I did have, I think what seems to be a bit of a maybe thematic question for Gerardo in terms of the broader implications of this piece to me seem pretty impactful and could be very wide sweeping. And my questions were about, can we extrapolate or magnify some of these findings to be applicable beyond local press? Is this something that could have similar outcomes if we had applied the same idea to in bigger contexts, sort of where I was getting at, going back to my hometown, just Washington D.C., and obviously there was quite a stir that was created when one of the world's richest people bought the local paper, or as maybe we would call it, a national paper, but to us, sort of the local paper, considering what. Its expertise is to report on legislative and political activity, because that's the locality in which those things are done. And the risk of corruption inherent in even that deal is one that, so this is why it's been top of mind, certainly, for people who are in this area. But I'm curious if you think there could be more broad or more sweeping implications of these localized findings, Gerardo.
1: The difficulty there is the analysis, the data allows me to speak more about the local aspect, like the the local newspaper closures. I do think that in general, the, the broader implication is that the media in general plays an important monitoring role that once you start changing that and put that together with some of the stuff that Joseph was mentioning, once the nature of the content is changing, it could have important implications throughout that we don't even begin to understand very well what happens now that you're getting every couple of minutes like a a news article or new headline saying this is happening. Is that going to have the same impact as having well-developed long stories that have a lot of investigation? It's hard to know, but I do think that there is going to be some loss of information and and the role of of monitoring. It could be diminished by having a lot more information out there that is not as deep, or it could also be enhanced if you're having a lot more news articles that come about. In general, broadly, it's a bit hard to know how to generalize it beyond, okay, if local newspapers were to disappear today, what's going to happen to the people who are reported on? What's going to happen to firms? Are they going to misbehave a lot more? Probably. If there is nobody to check their actions, or there is less people to check their actions. That's going to have an effect on how they... It. But it's also hard to envision a world where also the national media disappears. Even if it changes colors, there is at least uh, a paper by Ken Scalwood at all that looks at what are the topics covered by newspapers. And it tends to be that it's a lot of demand-driven, rather than supply-driven, so that is... They look for what the audience wants to hear rather than what they want to report. So it's hard to envision a world where all news outlets stop doing investigative reporting and then what implications.
0: We're coming up on our time as a panel, but I want to give everybody a chance to offer any closing thoughts or takeaways or to pose any open questions. Uh, Gerardo,
1: would you like to get us started? First, I want to thank everybody for the comments and questions. I think it was a really interesting discussion. In general, I think it put it, she was very precise and very you know, on point when she mentioned that the results of the paper tells that the local media is an effective monitor of companies behavior. It also can play a, a deterrent role. I think you know, if managers start viewing that as a monitor and being aware of the monitoring role that it plays, And it builds on their expectations of what the appropriate behavior should look like. In general, also, I like the comments about the media playing two roles investigation versus broadcasting. It's just empirically difficult to separate those two. But it's uh, an incredibly interesting and deep conversation, the, the one that you can have about those two roles. And in general, what I want to say is some of the implications that firms can take from this is well, what happens when within the company, you notice in the headquarters that some local facilities are not being covered by the, the media anymore, as a manager, you should then pay more attention to those places to make sure that within the firm, there is some substitution of that monitoring role. And also it has implications for policymakers. As Joseph was saying, it is very important to substitute that type of information with uh different tools like centers to gather information, centers to analyze that information and generate some of that information that previously was basically generated by local reports.
2: I will just say, again, I wanted to reiterate how impressed I am with this paper and how important I think its findings are. And as Gerardo just said, the findings are important nationally in terms of at a local level, but even more broadly. And then I think critically, also very important information for firms themselves and the role that local press can have as a tool of even their own compliance policies and being able to ensure that there are guardrails. So the role of that actually being an aspect even of an internal compliance policy, I think is an interesting way to see this as well. Again, my hats off to Gerardo and the other authors on this very important piece.
1: Thank you.
3: And Joe, final words. Yes, thank you. So I do believe that the paper demonstrates that what we think is the closure or the lack of continuing investigative reporting from the print media has removed what I think is a valuable watchdog from what is maybe financial corruption, political corruption, because not only is it less resources, but the ability for folks to actually think about the concept And actually study it as opposed to perhaps a slanted or five-second soundbite, which does not require a whole lot of thinking. So I do think we've removed and have decreased the ability of our review and watchdog services on political corrupt, financial corruption, issues of that nature that require a little more thinking. Thank you for the paper. And I think that you have demonstrated that there is a big loss when we have local newspaper closures.
0: All right. I'd like to thank all of our guests on this final episode of the Business Starship Podcast Symposium on Local Journalism, Business, and Society. This panel has focused on the article When the Local Newspaper Leaves Town, the Effects of Local Newspaper Closures on Corporate Misconduct, uh, which is forthcoming in the Journal of Financial Economics. It was authored by Jonas Hees of Harvard Business School, Gerardo Perez-Cavazos of UC San Diego, and Casper David Peter of Erasmus University, Rotterdam. I'll add a link to the paper in the show notes for the episode. Uh, Thanks so much to our panelists today. Gerardo, Joe, Karen, thank you for joining the Business Scholarship Podcast.
2: Thanks Thanks for having me. A
0: pleasure to be on. Thank you
1: very much, Andrew.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Scholarship Podcast. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing to the podcast or leaving a rating on your favorite podcast app or let other people know about it too. If you have suggestions for future episodes, please let me know. My email address is andrew at andrewkjennings.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. Until the next time, I'm your host, Andrew Jennings.